So you spent Sunday with your mom, Mitch. You spent Sunday with your mother, Taylor. I spent Sunday with my mother. We're three good kids, three good sons. None of us were like Mr. Lee crushing Mr. Kiesa, bringing up his mom, throwing her under the bus. None of us were like that. Yeah, that close to Mother's Day. It's just not cool. It wasn't cool. Added on to that, Daniel Cormier, John Jones. John Jones was talking about his kids at the press conference. We don't talk about other people's kids either, right? We're pretty... Cormier claimed it was kind of an unwritten rule. I tend to make fun of my friend's kids, though, so I don't know. Well, you clearly have a very large Olympic wrestling MMA person. Probably want to kill you if you did that. Well, yeah, I might not do it to them. That's true. I don't have any of those kind of friends. So. <laughs> you, you say it to the friends who you're like, I'm pretty sure I'd beat him in a fight. <laughs> yeah, I'm taller. I weigh you. I'll weigh you. I'm good. <laughs> so you are listening to The Hurt Take. Fellas, this is not only the first time that, that Mitch has been in town live. Last week, he and I recorded together for the first time. We've got... The crew, the whole, the, all three of us, Taylor Wasilek, Mitch Bayless, and Reese Dobigan, all in the same place at the same time because this is a super show. This is post-UFC 211 recap. So we got the team together. The crew is here. This is the Hurt Take. This is the MMA show for the fans by three fans today. Welcome, fellas. UFC 211, big card. Headlined by the heavyweight title fight, Stipe Miocic, Junior Dos Santos, with a really great co-headliner, Joanny and Jacek and Jessica Andrade. Pretty good card overall, I would say. Top to bottom, there were some entertaining fights, some duds. One of the fights was canceled, Sergio Pettis and Henry Cejudo. That was a big disappointment. But overall, good card. First thoughts? One word, maybe? What did you think? Mitch, you got... What'd you I think? thought it was great. I thought it was a great card. I put, I put it above good. Great. Okay, okay. It's, now it's that a long-winded one word, but great. Great. Interesting. I'm going to go... I'm going to give it a s- 7 out of 10. It's not, not in the great realm for me. Um, I don't know. I, I was a little disappointed in, uh, in Junior's performance. Uh, I was hoping that fight might go a little bit longer. Obviously, Joanna was fantastic. Uh, Damian Maya. I don't know what exactly you say about him. Mitch, I think you might have a few things to, <laughs> to comment on, Mr. Maya. But, uh, no, I, I mean, I thought it was, it was solid for uh, the names that uh, the card offered. I thought it was good. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. So you're going to give it a 7 out of 10. Mitch is going to give it a great... I'm going to add to this, and I'm going to add a third different <laughs> ranking system. I'm going to give it a B... A B. How about that? So now we've all got, we've covered the gamut. Yeah. Let's, let's start right at the top. Let's start, start with the heavyweight fight. Obviously, that was the marquee matchup. Always the marquee matchup. The heavyweights, everybody wants to watch the heavyweights. Stipe Miocic comes in looking for that second heavyweight title defense. And he gets it. He gets it pretty impressive with a knockout of Junior Dos Santos. Ties the record. Pretty, I mean, to me, this this is might be one of the more impressive runs in the sport. Um, he's on a five fight win streak since losing to Junior Dos Santos. So if you if you imagine that this fight then cancels that out, he's essentially basically been uh, on a seven fight kind of swing here. Um, very impressive, especially in that division. Mitch, I'm going to go with you first. What do you think of his performance overall? 
I thought it was awesome. He does what he needs to do to win. That's three fights in a row. He's getting out of there in the first round. And against that kind of talent, that's a pretty impressive thing, really. So you can't really fault him with much he's doing. Um, would love it if he was a little bit more animated or something on the microphone from time to time. But, um, you know, he walked out of there. He called out no one. He doesn't really kind of set himself up for the next fight or anything. But in terms of his, you know, actions in the cage, it was definitely a great fight. And like I say, three of the best in the world now in the first round. Can't really argue that. So, yeah. Taylor, you agree? Yeah, I think uh, that's what four consecutive fights. I think that he's ended in the first round. Um, kind of like what Mitch said, he got he got in, he got out. He, he's not taken a lot of a punishment in the last uh, few fights. So you know, it's from a career standpoint, that's always good, right? You know, you're not taking too too much damage. Now I'm going to throw this out there because from my perspective, I'm not taking anything away from Stipe. I, I think he he won that fight. He did everything he had to do. He had a great. Um, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's like his game plan was amazing, but he did exactly what he had to do to take advantage of Junior's weaknesses, which is part of the problem here for me. I'm a big Junior Dos Santos fan, and I think he lost this fight as much as Stipe took it from him. I think Junior put him in those situ- put himself in those spots. He could have avoided them, but he put himself in those spots that have lost him fights before. He back his ring craft is not that great. He backs himself up to the cage, and then when he tries to circle out from Stipe's pressure, he hits the cage, and all of a sudden Stipe's on him, and he can't get away from the punches. So I'm gonna open question: Do you think that this was a case of Stipe really taking it, or Junior as much uh, giving it away? I don't know. I think every time for me, Stipe's a guy he pressure fights a lot. He's in guys' face. I think it's three fights in a row now where the guy looks kind of overwhelmed, kind of surprised almost at, at what he's coming with. You remember him catching Verdum a couple fights back? It was like he didn't expect him to be able to kind of close that distance and get there. And it's like he first kind of pressures and then he keeps pressuring. And it seems like that's something that obviously played into this fight a little bit with with Dos Santos backing up. He even commented after the fight they knew that was what he was going to do. But by putting that pressure, they knew they could get him there. He's done it in the past, and they knew they could kind of dictate that way. Um, and it seems to be something that he uses to his advantage. It almost looks like he's kind of bull rushing, but it seems to work for him. You know, he's kind of almost looking like Ooh, a bit wild man throws and that kind of thing. But he gets guys up into that cage and then just leans on them. seems to kind of pressure him. And it just seemed to me like this was another one of those cases. And yes, it happened to play into one of Dos Santos' weaknesses, but... Um, I think he still took it. If he stands back and kind of wants to utilize his jab and thinks maybe he's faster or something like that, you end up in a spot where you're not taking advantage of that weakness. So I think it was good coaching and good game planning, really, and then execution. So, Taylor, what do you, you think that the junior... What, what, what are you going to say about junior from here on out? Because this is a pretty... I mean, he has now traded wins and losses for his last six fights. He's 3-3 three and three, uh, since losing the belt. Is he is he at a bit of a crossroads here? Because he's not he's not really old, but he's not young, and he's uh, yeah he's been he's been put out to put to sleep a few times here. But like, is this a guy who's really at a crossroads? Are we looking at the rest of Junior Dos Santos's career and really wondering what if? I think with with Junior Dos Santos, he's a guy that's taken a lot of damage. First of all, I mean, he's three and three in his last six, but what he's been knocked out, I think three was, was all three not well, uh, two out? of them were knockouts. So two the of them were. and Alistair were knockouts and Kane just basically beat this, beat the shit. Be, out of him. beat him down. I yeah. mean, which is almost as bad as being knocked out. Yeah. Really, the so way he got beat. And that was, cause that was a five round, five round war. Yeah. He, correct? he just beat him up and got pulped. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, 
problem with heavyweight is, like you said, I mean, you talked about Stipe earlier, tying the record for title defenses at two. Yeah. So, I mean, at the, heavy, the way the heavyweight division is set up right now, you're never really that far from the top as long as you're consistently, you know, even trading wins and losses. You're, you're only a small win streak away from getting back. Um, in terms of, you know, is he in a position now to, to rebound quickly? I, I don't think so. I mean, I personally think he's probably better off maybe, you know, taking a step back, maybe trying to work himself up um, through the ranks again. But I don't, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that, you know, you as much as I love to watch him fight, I really don't want to see him turn into that punching bag heavyweight that, you know, maybe goes on a, you know, a losing streak here, loses his next, you know, three out of four or whatever, and just starts fighting for the paycheck. So I'm interested to see where he goes from here. I don't necessarily know if that means, you know, staying around the main event picture, but uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what goes on. Now, Mitch, what do you think about where Stipe goes from here? You, I, know, I know what you say his next step should be, where his next fight should be. At least. Well, yeah, apparently he's going to build a kitchen for now. That's all, that's <laughs> all we know. He owes his wife a nice kitchen, apparently. So. Which is crazy, because he seems to me, like, Stipe seems to me like the man, manliest man on the planet. He's a firefighter, still. And so, like, the idea that he's going to go build his own kitchen, I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. Seems yeah, like probably have a bunch, the of, the, bunch of the guys from the firehouse over and put it <laughs> together. Yeah, it doesn't... Uh, it is. He's, he's just that blue collar. He, he's kind of that epitome of Cleveland. I think that's exactly what should happen. We should be going back to Cleveland here. Um, he's massive basketball fan. You know, he's at all the games. Yeah. It's a big thing for him. He managed to work it into his post-game speech. Even like he's got to get the Cavs in on anything he does. So, seems to me it would be it makes sense to have him fight there. Um, where he goes in terms of a fight, I'm not too sure. That's kind of what I was alluding to. He doesn't call anyone out. He doesn't really play that game. So. Right. Um, I did see Francis Nagano started talking a lot of crap to him after. They were talking a little bit of crap online. Too soon? Too soon? Maybe? Well, maybe, but it's yeah. like we were just talking about it's heavyweight, right? So yeah. the guy's coming in, he's got 10 wins and 10 stoppages, and he's picking a fight when the guy's not, t- you know, there's no who else is picking a fight with him. So True. we'll see what happens. But uh, it sounds like he's going to have a bit of time off anyway, so we're probably talking fall or something before we see him again either way. But, yeah. Now we go from Stipe, who I think is... <laughs> You know, slated for superstardom. I think that he's he can really start carving out a like a real legacy in the UFC now. To someone who has legitimately carved herself an all time great legacy, Joanna and Jacek, Joanna Champion. Oh my God, did it again. Probably her best performance ever. I would say, considering the the challenge and the things that Andrade brought to the table. Um, with her strength and her size and her ability to grapple and then also her power. And Yunjacek cruised, basically from start to finish. Looked a little bit, maybe a little shaky early, but not that much, honestly, that I was worried. She just cruised to victory. Like, this is someone who is now legitimately, to me, the best female fighter on the planet. I feel she's surpassed Ronda Rousey's legacy at this point. My question is, do we see her as... An all-time great amongst all fighters. Period. Men, women don't matter. Yes. Oh no. no. I see. No. You know. <laughs> Sounds like we have to think about it. Anyway. I, I, yeah. You know. For for me, I you know I thought about uh, that after the fight. I'm still interested to see, and I don't know if this is necessarily the right way to look at it, but I want to see how she rebounds after her first loss or close contest before I crown her as, you know, one of the best ever. 
Um, but wouldn't a, I mean this is just wouldn't a loss then damage the no because you know what reputation? all the because everyone loses it's MMA right sooner or later you're gonna lose. Um, you know, everyone thought that Ronda was this unstoppable monster until she got stopped, and then we saw kind of her... She didn't rebound well. No, she didn't rebound well, and all of a sudden her legacy was, was tainted, right? Now, I mean, if, if uh, Joanna, if she continues to compete at this level, then absolutely she's one of the greatest. But I, I still want to see her have a few more close contests just to see kind of, you know, where she's at, how she reacts to really getting pressured. Now, is there anyone out there that can even do that? I... I don't know. I don't necessarily think so right now, but uh, I still think time will tell. So, and it's interesting because she's got she's got one more title defense to to get to Ronda's record, right? So that's kind of for me. Even when we were talking about DJ a couple of weeks ago, I look at that and I go, just in a pure numbers game, for ease of sake, if she gets to that mark, it's pretty undeniable, right? She right. puts it right up there. Arguably, people were saying for a long time Ronda could beat half the guys and you know best pound for pound, all this stuff. So she puts herself there on that mark. Not only that, she says from there she wants to go for the 125 belt. Yeah. She's got a, her eye on the calendar already. Like, the way she's talking, it's Rose. And then they'll have crowned that tough winner, go into the new year, go for the 125 belt. So you could see within, what is that even? to say Even say a calendar year yeah. where it's not deniable. I mean, yeah. she does both of those things, and then there's no debate. There's nothing to say. So for me, that's I, I'm a little hesitant to say it now. And then that's exactly, I think, cross off those two boxes, and good luck. Who, who can you say has done that? She'd be a two-division champion. She's... You know, longest longest title defense streak in women's history, and the way she does it, I think obviously she's got more tools than Ronda did. So that's interesting. I think the very scary part is she looks hungry. She's reinvigorated. Yeah. She's talking about being reinvented. That was her best performance ever. Whereas with Ronda, we were starting to see a distance being closed Plateau with the competition. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that was the whole even post fight. She was just so animated and so she just kept saying the word like invigorated, and she's all fired up again. And I'm like, I yeah. I think the women out there should be quite worried that she's that motivated, yeah, to be honest. Uh, 100%. And I think that you make a really good point, which is about the amount of tools that she has. The thing that impresses me about Ian Jacek more than, than anything is that we c- I think we can all agree that the women's side of MMA is still evolving. It's not at that same level. Men's MMA has evolved to this point where there's a lot of depth and subtlety and nuance to guys' games. It's not just the grappler and the kickboxer fighting anymore, the BJJ guy and the boxer fighting anymore. There's there's so much more layers to it now. Joanna is... She's the closest thing to a modern uh, male MMA fighter as you can get. Like, she's so beyond just being a one-note fighter. She has depth to her game. She almost has a style unto herself. Like, she's an actual puzzle that her opponents have to solve. Dropped a pen. My bad. Um, she's a puzzle that her opponents have to solve and since she's gone to ATT now like her wrestling looked amazing well that's like, what she I was, was dictating that's, a that's, lot of the wrestling grappling yeah. um exchanges so yeah. absolutely that's that's exactly what I was just gonna say the scariest part was you know she can't be taken down it seems anymore mm-hmm. she might start taking people down like that's a, that's a scary place to be because when you look at her striking game the you know, not many people are standing with her. So, mm-hmm. um, and you saw like, even in the post fight press conference, she ended up walking out. They asked her a question about her wrestling coach. Rumors are he's moving on from the gym and she broke down. She left the stage in tears and it was something that, yeah, it's kind of interesting. So that is going on. You see, and she was exactly right. She said she's never been better. And it was, you know, a lot of credit to, to the wrestling coach. So I think that's an interesting note to pay attention to, see if he does stick around. But yeah. outside of that, it's yeah. Uh, very scary and she's yeah looking for more she's trying to get to LA and get in the movies and everything like that too so <laughs> well and here, here's thing. 
Tying into that, I saw on the headlines today, Blake Lively, represented by WMEIMG, Blake Lively, absolutely gorgeous, married to Canadian Ryan Reynolds. She has just signed on the dotted line to star in an MMA movie about a single mom overcoming the odds to get her kid back. Uh, Joanny and Jacek, supporting role? Just saying. Just throwing that out there. I thought you were going to say she's going to see him punk and Blake Lively is actually going <laughs> to... Okay, never mind. She's not going to fight. No, I don't... Mom. Maybe. Maybe... Ro- hey, listen. Maybe Ronda will be the bad guy character in the show or one of her trainers. I mean, this is what we've suspected WMEIMG is planning to do for a long time. They stick up Blake Lively in a movie about MMA. They have a whole roster of people they can pull from now, right? So, uh, I think the sky's the limit for her, definitely. Taylor, who do you want to see her fight next? Do you have a particular person? Yeah, I mean... Is it is it not Rose? Is Rose not the obvious? It's got to be Rose. Choice. They had Rose in the crowd. They went to her right after. Yeah, the, yeah uh, right staring after the dead fight. eyed into the camera with uh, Holly Holm and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cra- well, and crazy Pat Barry in the background is always, <laughs> always you've got to have crazy eyes, Pat crazy Barry at some point Pat. anytime you see Rose. Yeah. But and the interesting part was she kind of alluded to in the post fight too. She saw Pat Barry coming in, I guess, and he was mean mugging her the whole nine. So they've kind of already started the talk there. So I think that's pretty much a foregone conclusion, but. Um, obviously someone, you know, if both stay healthy, etc. But I think that's the natural next step. Okay, so from Joanna, from basically a revolutionary to another kind of revolutionary, in my opinion, <laughs> but someone whose very name, I think, could have just incite arguments. So I'm hoping that this... Damien Maya. Mitch, what do you think about Damien Maya? <laughs> uh, I think he keeps winning. Oh, come on! That's... Say what you want to say. That's not what he said on Saturday. No, what you're saying on Saturday, yeah. Uh, no, it's one of those things. It's not. Um, I don't like watching him fight. I don't like the evolution of his stand-up game in any way. Obviously, I'm not a pro fighter, but it's one of those things where I'd love to see a guy even pretend to be throwing punches at some point in a fight or, or to be multi-dimensional in any way. Um, but at the same time, I guess you know, in argument's sake, that's what makes him impressive is the fact that everybody under the sun knows what he's going to do and. He still manages to end up in the, you know, end up in the old backpack position every time, right? He ends up hanging off a guy until they, until like, they can't handle it anymore. What, was it, what so. were you saying the whole week? There he is. Dirty backpack. Dirty Again, backpack. dirty backpack. Yeah. yeah. And, but that's my point is like that you see the fighters, they come in, they're talking about it. They know what's happening. They yeah. know where the fight's going. They know where the progressions are going to go. They've drilled it for six months coming in and he's that damn good. So I guess on one sense, but yeah, I don't know. Not not my favorite guy to watch fight, let's say that. Taylor, what about you? What's your opinion on David Meyer? You know, I'm I'm not on exactly on Mitch's level. I don't mind watching Maya fight, uh, purely from a there's some there's something impressive, whether it's an an entertaining style or not, someone who's so good at what they do, right. so good at their craft. Um, obviously I'm not a big uh, BJJ guy, but just watching him dominate and just like you know the the fact that he'll pull guard and just latch onto your leg nobody until, does that until he yeah. has you yeah. no exactly is is impressive um but yeah you know i i think mitch kind of made a good point on with my on uh and woodley on the, the weekend was you know let's let's just get to that fight because you know what i'm not a big woodley guy as, like as quickly as we can well like, like let's like let's make it let's make the fight because I'm not a big Woodley guy. Maya, yeah, he's not the most entertaining guy. I don't mind watching him fight. But let's clear one of those guys out, get him out of the picture, and let's move forward. Right. Is kind of where I'm at with that. This is sort of part of how I feel about Maya. I think that, that 
as a hardcore fan, he's a revolutionary, and the things that he does, pulling half guard, and then get taking the back from there is just like mind boggling. But my main thing that I take away about him in the modern game is that he's a he's a role player. He has a role to play. We do not get greatness, which is what we want to see in the cage, without a guy like Damian Maya to step in there and test that other person. Dave, Tyron Woodley, super athletic, all these great things, but like he's we need to see him overcome certain levels of competition before we go, you know what? Tyron Woodley is so good. Damian Maia is that test. He's the dude who's going to go in there and just literally try to grapple, and is Tyron Woodley might be able to shuck him off and then blow his head off with a right hand. Tyron Woodley is that good. So that's sort of how I feel about Damian Maia. I think he's got a role to play, and I agree with you. I think you put him in with Woodley and you see what happens. Um, I was just going to say, no, he's like you said, he has a role to play. He's almost one of those uh, original UFC throwbacks in the sense that Everyone's so well-rounded these days. You know, everyone's got a striking game. Everyone's got a little bit of a ground game, you know, wrestling game, everything. Maya's kind of that throwback to, you know, UFC 4. Obviously, he's a lot more talented um, than a lot of those guys, but just that one-dimensional fighter that goes into the cage and you know what you're getting and it's style versus style is, is kind of interesting to me. Yeah. So... Well, if you look at the timing, like just look at the calendar. You got Woodley saying he wants to fight in July, mm-hmm. saying uh, he likes the Maya matchup, but maybe GSP. Well, no, everybody knows GSP's not fighting until November. So look, just look at the calendar and go, yeah. yeah, Maya and him go in July, and then you know, winner gets George in November or something like that, yeah. right? And there's mm-hmm. obviously other scenarios in play, but I think Woodley's you know talking those names, and if he got offered one of those, you know, Diaz or GSP, he's taking the fight for sure. But I just don't think it's there. Neither yeah. of those guys is ready. Maya's ready. The joy about his skill set is he doesn't take a pounding in a lot of fights, so he's ready to go in a couple months again. And um, I just think it makes the most sense. And and yeah, Maya's getting older too. Like we haven't really talked about that. So it's at what point are you gonna, you know? They just we just saw it happen to to Jacare, and you've got yeah. these guys kind of hanging around at the top. And you don't give them that shot, and now what? Now what do you do after a loss, right? So it's um, it just seems like the timing's perfect, and it's interesting because GSP is a guy who's talked about a Maya fight as well. Um, so I look at that and I go, then either way you get, even if Woodley was to win or whatever, George is probably okay in there if he is coming back down, that kind yeah. of thing. And even if he's going to wait for Bisbee, that timing lines up again, right? So it just seems like the calendar makes a lot of sense. They got a couple main events in July that they haven't booked. And yeah, that one screams like it's probably going to happen to me, but we'll see. Well, from also from the, the UFC 211 card, um, I would say the most dominant performance on that card belongs to your boy, the people's champ. Frankie Edgar. The people's champ. Just just like the cooler, right? Like the cooler, you bring Frankie Edgar in and he just stops all momentum, it seems. If, if you have any kind of talent, Frankie Edgar's the guy who's just going to be like, that's funny, I'm Frankie Edgar. Um, dominant performance against Yair Rodriguez really, really put the brakes on Yair Rodriguez's momentum. Um, I'm going to start with Mitch because Mitch is in uh, uh, and just... An unabashed Frankie Edgar lover. Yep, absolutely. What, what, what did you? You had a, you wavered a little well, bit right at the so, start of the fight when no, you were like, no, "Look no, at no, the no, size no, difference." No. So what we were talking about going in, I just as the week went on, you kept having the stare downs, and we kept seeing the size discrepancy, and it started to you know it started to seem like you know just maybe, just maybe, and that's kind of the thing with Frankie. He's always kind of right there. Someone's going to knock him off this horse. He can't keep doing this. He can't do, keep making these same performances. 
and then he does. Mm-hmm. He grinds the heck out of the guy. He looked amazing in this fight, and with the size difference, he did look tiny in there, and it didn't matter at all, um, and put himself right back in the spot. We were talking about it Saturday, but I think if Holloway wins this fight coming up with Aldo, we got a natural fight right there. Frankie and Holloway, two good American boys. They could do that fight on either coast, or even in Hawaii. I think it would be pretty good. So, yeah, definitely excited for his prospects. It'll be interesting. You get into a weird spot if Aldo was to win, though. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of interesting, but either way, he's still relevant. He's still right there, and yeah, I'd just love to see him win the title again one day, i got to say. <laughs> he does seem to be back. It's kind of strange that he could beat a guy like Yair, who's really, you know, just ba- just sort of broke into the top ten. Beat Yair as impressively as he does, and it's like, oh yeah, you know what, he's title contention again. Not really raising his stock that much. It's just the, that Yair had so much hype, yeah. you know? And the way that Frankie dispatched him seemed effortless. Absolutely effortless. He, it, like, that performance is the kind of thing that, that coaches should show all of their young fighters. This is a textbook performance for distance management, how to negate the strengths of your opponents. All the things he did in that fight was just, like, super impressive. Yeah. Um, but here's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there, Mitch. I, the, the thing about Frankie Edgar is, he has only ever lost fights in title fights. I mean that's an amazing thing for me. He only loses in title fights. Beats everybody else will lose in title fights. Kind of a lot like another guy who you really don't like, Daniel Cormier. Do aren't there? Isn't there kind of a little thing? Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. It seems like Frankie's once he gets around those that that one elite guy. Never the bride. Never the he won the title once, okay. But Daniel Cormier has beaten everybody else and holds a title, so they're pretty similar. Daniel Cormier hasn't beaten everybody else. Frankie, that's, that's Frankie's lost issue. more than Daniel, <laughs> so like he's got more no. losses and lost more no, title fights. No, and it's just a different thing, I guess. It's not. I'm not looking for any kind of comparisons. Obviously, the <laughs> <laughs> we're talking two worlds apart in weights and all sorts of things, but um, yeah. I just, oh yeah, it's, I mean, it's true, like you say, if Aldo wins that fight, it's pretty hard to make that match, there's reasons for it, it's justifiable, but he's still my guy, and to be honest, I'd love to see him get a crack at Aldo and actually get her done, that would be amazing, yeah. um, but I can't, you know, I think I'm a third one, I'm not sure, so. Taylor, how did you feel about Frankie's performance, or were you just sort of, it was inevitable, I mean, the way his performance went out, did you just feel like it was inevitable, or were you actually on the fence, were you unsure? No, you know, I was... I mean, logic says it's probably going to be Frankie, uh, given how young Rodriguez is. Although there was a, lar- a large part of me did think, you know, if, if Rodriguez is going to be this shining star, he needed to win that fight. Yeah. And I mean, it's still early. That's, you know, there's a good chance, he, you know, he can go back. He can learn a lot from, from what happened because, like you said, he got manhandled. He got absolutely dominated. There's a lot on that film that he's going to be able to watch and go, yeah, okay, I, you know, I still have a lot to learn. But a large part of me, you know, you think if, if you're going to be the shining star that they make you out to be, maybe you need to perform a little bit better. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to really say. I don't know. It's hard to say. He's still young. He's got that going for him, right? He's still young. He's still inexperienced. So we'll see how he responds. But. See, that's the way I felt when, when my boy, Mirsa Bektic, <laughs> dropped to Darren Elkins. I, I was so just flabbergasted because to me it's the same thing you know if you think if Yair is supposed to be this next big star and Bektich is supposed to be one of these next elite guys you can't they, losing that fight just puts throws a whole kind of wrench of doubt in, in that you know in that wheel of and so 
But he's 24, and he yeah. just lost arguably to a guy that yeah, so that's you know, the probably side. beats Connor if they right. were going to fight right. back in the day. So here's my question. Same is, kind of matchup. My question is, was that bad matchmaking? Why, why was Yair even put in the cage with Edgar at this point in both of their careers? Oh, I think it's win-win totally. They set him up for the big, big push. He was going to get the super hype train if he could win that fight. And if he loses, no one's going to fault him in a year for having a loss in his record against Frankie. Because by then, Frankie's going to have been in his... You know, he's just such a veteran guy. It felt like... I almost thought it was perfect, really, because he is so young. Like, 24, right? So even if it took him a fight or two to get back, like, we're talking 25 years old and he's back in the top 10, you know? Or he's going to probably stay in the top 10, so... So you feel that the the way that the UFC could promote it going forward was, well, he lost, but hey, this is the GSP loss, and then he became... Oh, absolutely. And what does he learn from it? And it's the classic matchup where everybody thought that was a horrible matchup, right? The striker-wrestler-grinder matchup that they purposely kept Connor out of for a great amount of fights. Um, And I think, like I said, I think that's what it was. It was kind of a make it or break it, and then the best part is that... You get a loss like that, it shows you need to go work on your ground and do some things. And now by 26, hopefully you're a stud again and we're, yeah, they got a good. And I think, too, you even get, Frankie gets a bit of a rub, too, going, you know, he beat the up-and-coming phenom. Yeah, you who know, a lot of people honestly were like, this guy is pure action, excitement. Yeah, just, right? ah, so I think, Frank, and not that Frankie necessarily needs it, but he gets that boost as well. So, yeah, like you said, it's kind of a win-win, I guess. Yeah. So. Now, on from UFC 211... To, to probably the biggest non-UFC 211-related news of the last week. George Rush St. Pierre, good old Canadian boy, has his fight canceled against Michael Bisbang. Dana White announces it's not happening, it's done, it's off the books, they're not going at it. Yoel Romero gets the next shot at Michael Bisbang. Oh, there's so much to unpack here. I feel like there's so much we don't know. I feel like there's a lot of things going around. So I'm going to start with Mitch, because Mitch, you're the conspiracy theorist guy. You, I know you've got something. What, what, what do you make of this situation? I think, honestly, I think Dana White summed it up. They're sick of waiting for George St. Pierre, and I don't know that I can fault them, really. Um, I think, in typical fashion, the UFC had some slow news months going on in the early part of the year here. We talked about 211 being the biggest card of the year, and it took a little while to ramp up. And I think they jumped the gun a bit on the press conference. I think they wanted to kind of put a pulse out there and see if this division switch was something the fans would get behind as well, a little early promotion. Um, and now I think there has been a lot of pressure, man. There was a couple of weeks in a row of just pretty consecutive bad news stories out of this division and guys going on blast and, and yeah. calling out everyone under the sun. And it was log jammed. And as soon as George put that video out and said, we're talking September, October, I thought this was a reality, really. And almost, why wouldn't you? Like, it's just a waste on Michael Bisbing. Yeah. It's starting to look really, really odd, especially with the Henderson fight before. And um, they need fights. So there's this July, like I keep saying, July is they need cards and they want to have, cha- you know, one, if not two championship fights on every card. So yeah. these guys can't have a year layoff. So um, it just kind of made sense to me. And I think it opens up so much options. You can kind of, you know, start after summer again on GSP and start buzzing him up again. Yeah. And you'll have a good fight in your hands there too, so... Taylor? GSP right now is like the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, no, I, you know, was, I, I feel like that was an inevitable, that, the whole first part of this year, I think, for, for UFC was weird with, you know, the creation of this women's title and this GSP Bisping kind of out of nowhere matchup all of a sudden. I, I never really got it from the get-go um, in terms of, you know, are you just trying to kind of make this odd money fight? And right. I know GSP had a lot of say in um, by the sounds of it, by, you know, kind of who he came back to. But 
Yeah, no, you know what? I thought it was... I like the move, personally. Um, all that I was going to do was, was clog up that division mm-hmm. even further than it already is. Um, and George is kind of one of those guys that, you know, he's going to come back and he's going to fight on his own terms. And if he's not putting the weight on like he thought he needed to, he's, you know, he's going to wait. So yeah. I think you, I think they saved themselves a lot of grief, a lot of headaches. And, yeah, I, I thought it was the right move. This is the fight that Bisping Romero should have been the fight all yeah. along. So yeah, I think this is the big problem with it is that this this news landed with twice the amount of just like ah oh, for me because it never should have been made in the first place. No. Yeah, you're right. And so we just went through all this time, all this like oh they're fighting, and we even said on this podcast that's not the fight, that's not the fight, and now it's canceled, and we it feels like all this time went by that was just wasted time that could have been used to actually get excited and and keep the middleweight division moving so well, i'm happy about the move but i'm really pissed that the ufc kind of did it this way it's like what well, you just kind of wasted our time and that's the worst thing is you know like my, damian maya getting a title shot against tyron woodley okay like it's a worthy thing but it's not a waste of time this was just a waste of time well this didn't play out right for them i mean we don't know how this was supposed to play and we don't you know we've talked about this you guys had a great discussion about the nutcases in this sport of which <laughs> of which GSP has been known to be one. And I wonder, I mean, there was a lot of talk about the size difference mm. after that press conference. And you sit there and go, did he go, yeah, I need eight more months. Like, that right. guy was huge. Or and who knows what happened, right? And he, he tentatively said, you know, maybe I do July. They do the press conference. Who knows what happened? Does he get cold feet? Does something go on in training? We have no idea. And yeah. He's obviously not going to tell us. Um, but, you know, Bisbee's putting out photos where he looks... You know, he looks extra big, and he looks like he's got a big pot belly, and this and this and this. But you're like, I think that you know, we we've seen George get into his own head before. He talked about it openly, so it seems like something where maybe that is something, or you know, at the same time, where was that even going to go for them? And right. I don't know. He's talked of having this like five step plan and everything, and I really wonder if that you know kind of got off the rails on him a little bit. Now he needs this extra time to bulk, and guess who he's always needed the extra time to bulk to fight. Another man who has no fight currently. So it just seems like you wanted a conspiracy theory. I think they maybe went to him and say, hey, look, you can get your eight months and we can get the fight we wanted originally. How does that sound? That's where I wanted to go next. I, I wanted to say, you know, what is GSP's next step here? We know where Michael Bisbing is going. We don't know where GSP is going. He, logically, we're saying Anderson Silva. Come on. Like, this is the fight people really wanted to, to see from the start for his return, for the most part. But now he comes out and he says, oh, his stop... His, his stock isn't high enough, right? Uh, uh, Anderson Silva, his stock is, is not very high right now. Like, really? Let me just go off a list of people who are really the money fights, who have high stocks right now. Nate and Nick Diaz, neither of whom seems to want to... I mean, they're... Whatever. He's already beaten Nick. Doesn't seem like that would happen. Bisbing, just lost him. Connor, not fighting George St. Pierre. Who, who else is a money fight that he can go up against and he's going to get that payday? I can't think of anybody else other than Anderson Silva. That's just, it seems logical to me. He doesn't seem to think so. Well, he didn't back how many months ago, but he also thought Bisbee was the answer then, and I'm sure he thought for whatever reasons he thought, and that's what I'm saying. I think his mind maybe changed a little bit. Um, but the interesting thing here, my second slight conspiracy theory <laughs> for you, is you know the rumors I'm hearing anytime you hear anything about Nick Diaz is he doesn't look like he's been training. Right. And everybody goes, it doesn't look like he's trying to resume his fight career. And I go, well, if he's 185... That's a bit of a different story now. Maybe he doesn't have to be as thin, whatever he's doing. So George is looking for not the biggest 185er on the planet. Um, so I think there's maybe a little bit of options. But, you know, Dana White talking about going flying out and meeting Anderson in person, 
this happens to happen right after Anderson's coming out, you know, saying everything under the sun. And then Anderson comes out and says, it worked perfectly. I got you all the fight. That's what I wanted the whole time. And you're kind of going, you know, it seems like he just wanted to make sure something happened in the division. Um, and it seemed like between that and Rockhold and Romero, and it was just a week of cumulative news. And meanwhile, GSP's like, hey, I need eight more months. I think it was just enough's enough, and they had to move on. So, Taylor, what do you think GSP's move is? Yeah, I think at this point he's got he's probably got to go Anderson, and I'm not as excited about that as a lot of people are. I'm I'm not necessarily seeing that as kind of this all time super fight that it you wanted maybe them to fight in their prime. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know that's I think most people did. Um, but Anderson this Silva GSP September 9th in Edmonton oh, in Canada not happening no, <laughs> I wish I'd be there that's not a big enough arena I no, don't think but. no um, but yeah you know like I just I think it's it's the right fight I mean Silva's declined he's still a, a, um, a good competitor obviously he's done well but he's not at that elite level that he was and who knows what George has I mean it's been a while. I absolutely, and I mean, it, I would assume he's you know he's coming back in tip top shape, and you know the way he trains, it's he's you think he's going to be sharp, but no one really knows, right? I mean, it's a long as, way off. As much as people yeah. don't believe in you know ring rust or cage rust or whatever you want to call it, I tend to think it's probably a thing. So, I mean, at this point, I think it's a great fight for George to come back to, um, given who else is out there. But yeah, I. And then both guys still end up with stories of Bisping, right? That's kind of yeah. the interesting part for me is it plays well with the matchmaking. You yeah. know, either guy wins that one, they can go back. I'm guessing if Romero wins, GSP's done with 185. See you later. <laughs> I could be wrong, but it just seems, you know, like, it, yeah. so they're kind of setting themselves up. And the I think size maybe, difference there is basically, like, Romero staying beside the shack. Right. Well, I'm not Romero's even sure he wants anything to do with Woodley at 170, let yeah. alone Romero 185. But I'm just saying, when you look at, I, I wonder if there wasn't a couple of conversations behind the scenes here, right? Mm. Look, fellas, let's think about a two-fight plan and how this looks for these three different parties. Everyone comes away going, yeah, that's a bunch of money. Because even Bisbee with the ultimatum, right? He wants to fight in July. So yeah. even that, he gets his way to a degree. I don't think he should be welcoming that Romero fight as much as he is but yeah. he gets his way he gets another payday which is something he keeps talking about he hasn't got the paydays so it seems like probably a win-win and it still keeps you know both divisions interesting with all these different guys in play so and even a guy like Silva I mean he he's talking about oh you know he wants a title fight right, right? well that's what I mean that's that's a stepping right. stone I think so, they go and sell it to him so right? you play you get that GSP you know victory hypothetically I mean that's a good uh, good selling point mm-hmm. so yeah. leaves um Mr. Whitaker sitting on the sidelines for just another fight longer, though. Why would you do that? Rockhold, Whitaker, let's go. Yeah, but Rockhold, Whitaker, and then Anderson, GSP, and then they both around the same time. Who gets the... You know? Somebody gets Welcome hurt. to that division, though. Like, yeah, are you yeah. kidding just me? Just let the cards yeah. fall. That's yeah. part of the reason that the Michael Bisping GSP whole thing in the first place never should have happened. Right. It's divisions now still log jammed in a, in a, in a fashion. So. Yeah, I mean, you think about where that was at the beginning. Like, I, like that's why I keep saying they would have had that fight done in July. They already had Romero agreeing to take a break for a couple of months. Right. And they're right back to everything's golden. These guys were all hurt. Rockhold was hurt at the time. Like it just kind of came to be what it was. I think they went a little too public too early, maybe. But yeah, it is what it is. I guess here we are. <laughs> well, hopefully, the UFC does the right thing and gives us all what we want. I don't know what that is. CM Punk. Punk. Yes. Feed me CM Punk. GSP, Anderson, in Edmonton. That's what it is. <laughs> and somehow Punk, everybody that went to guess, that, everybody went to that Calgary card gets to go there for free in Edmonton. 
That would be nice. Awesome. We would get to go. Right? We, we said he was going to yeah. pay us back, so. Yeah, <laughs> we would get to go. In Commonwealth. There you go. There you go. In September. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Foot and a half of snow. Anderson's wearing a full parka. The first full snow, snowmobiling attire. <laughs> well, that has been the Hurt Take. Thank you for listening. I am Reese. Cray Tay from Abe. Thank you. <laughs> no. It just got so loud in here, I'm saying nothing. I'm good. And Mitch Bayless. Thank you for listening. We are out.